Everybody, welcome to Saturday Night Rewind. I am here, as always, with Randall McDonald. And I am with the wonderful Brian Paradise. Yeah, and we're here to talk about Season 46, Episode 2 of Saturday Night Live. This one with Bill Burr and surprise musical guest Jack White. So, kind of broad strokes, what'd you think of the episode? How'd you feel? Overall, I thought it was better than last week's episode. I agree. Um, I thought... They uh, went in a darker route, and I liked that. Yeah, I think there was a couple of times where somebody explicitly on the show talked about how dark the episode yeah, was. Yeah, Michael Chang several times is like, this is dark. Yeah, so I think that I, I really liked it, and we'll, we'll go through the episode in total, but I, was, I laughed more than I did last week. I was surprised more than I was last week. I think it had all the elements of a really good episode of Saturday Night Live. I thought that Bill Burr's great choice as the host and um, our musical guest, Jack White, was great. I think the sketches throughout the evening were really strong. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about those as we go. But yeah, I uh, it, this was the kind of episode of SNL that I look forward to. I really had very little expectations in terms of what I was going to get from the episode. Bill had never hosted before, so there weren't any recurring guests or anything like that. Last week, we talked a little bit about there's probably going to be a Boston sketch. We were right. We we, it was it. you. You were right. <laughs> I did not guess that. So uh, I feel pretty I feel vindicated. And then we knew that there was going to be something political at the top, which we'll just kind of start talking about right now. So Cold Open this week was another debate sketch. I am hoping... That this will not be the next two weeks. What it sounds like is since there isn't going to be a debate next week Mm -hmm. between the two presidential candidates, we'll probably be spared that. They'll do something else. Uh, But this was the VP debate that... Did you actually watch the vice presidential debate last week? I did. I watched the whole thing. Yeah, I watched watched most of it as well. Yeah. So I think they, they... What I liked about it is that they did not regurgitate what happened. They took a couple of brought elements from it, but it wasn't like the previous week where they were just re- repeating lines from the from the debate. Mm-hmm. They actually uh, used that as more of a launching point than just let's watch this funny thing that happened because as somebody that watched the, the vice presidential debate as well, it wasn't as explicitly funny. No. The way that, it wasn't as absurd, I guess, as the, the first presidential debate was. So they had to find uh, an angle and they certainly did find it. So here we had uh, Kate as the moderator, and uh, Beck Bennett playing Mike Pence, who mm-hmm. he's been Mike Pence for, for five years now. Yeah. And then Maya Rudolph returning as Kamala Harris. So what what did you think of this cold open? I thought it started out very strong. Yes, it did. They hit all the, the big moments within maybe the first two minutes of the sketch with Kamala doing the, I'm speaking. Yes. I'm speaking. And... Uh, Mike, <laughs> Mike Fence doing the thank you so much. I'm stalling. Yeah, that whole. I mean, that was awesome. They did the same thing uh, that they did last last week with the cold open. Where from the start they t- kind of foreshadow what's gonna happen. Yeah, where she's like definitely the two people on the stage are going to be the most talked about. Thing. Yeah, I think she said the two yeah. humans. Yeah, the two yeah. humans. Where last week they were like something about COVID at the very top, they were like, and nobody has COVID or something. Yeah. So I think that, uh, I, I, what I was impressed by is that my Rudolph's impression is better mm-hmm. than it was during the primary season that I think because we've been more exposed to Kamala Harris as a public figure, uh, over and just speaking more throughout the, the campaign, you can, I could hear more kind of vocal specificity from my Rudolph's impression, which I really liked. Cause I think, Back during the primaries, she was struggling to, as a candidate, she was struggling to kind of separate from the pack. Uh-huh. And so Maya was playing her pretty broad. What I think they found for certainly in the last few weeks is that she is very direct. She's got this, she's got a very vo- specific vocal style. And then I like that that uh, her performance during the debate was uh, kind of made broad for this sketch where she had that bit where she was kind of doing all the different lady reaction faces yeah. while Beck was talking like the the smiling and the side eye and then the expressing nothing but all the black women and some of the white women will understand. And gay people, yeah. Well, it, it, yeah, and gay people <laughs> will understand what she's saying. So I thought that was really great. And then 
So it, kind of like recreation of the, of the debate. And then we go to uh, a different set with uh, our friend Jim Carrey playing mm-hmm. Joe Biden with Jill played by Heidi mm-hmm. Gardner. And then what happened? We, we took a, a sharp left turn into Absurdville. Um, they doubled down on, on doing a, a, a parody of the, the great, great, was it 1980s movie yeah. called The Fly with Jeff Goldblum? Yeah, the, uh, the, the Cronenberg version of The Fly <laughs> with Jeff Goldblum. And this is where, if we talked about this a little bit ago about Jim Carrey, that while... We took a weird turn into we're going to do a fly parody mm-hmm. where uh, they had the because in the movie The Fly, there's a teleporter and there's a fly in the teleporter, and then Jeff Goldblum fused with the fly and slowly turns into a fly. In this sketch, he does takes a teleporter to get the debate, <laughs> and then Joe Biden becomes a fly, the fly <laughs> that was on Mike Pence's head for two minutes, right? And What's cool about it is that they leverage Jim Carrey being a great impressionist and that he stops doing a Joe Biden impression and yeah. starts doing a Jeff Goldblum impression. Right. And and he like slowly turns into Jeff Goldblum, yeah. which I liked a lot too. Adding uh, kind of uh, costume elements and doing more of the voice. They end up doing lampooning uh, a little bit of Jurassic Park. Yeah. And a little bit of Apartments.com. Yeah. Now, one thing... That oh yeah the apartments dot com, uh, but one thing that kind of like I don't know it took me out of the sketch was they actually used a clip from the movie and yes. then just put his face over it, and I was like that is so like twenty twenty like memeville thing yeah. to oh, do oh yeah that's a weird interesting way to think about it I hadn't thought of it that way yeah because they they hadn't done stuff like that before really they didn't, yeah I think to your point while it puts a finer point on where the sketch is going right yeah. we're going those those that are old enough to have seen the fly yeah will go oh, okay. um, but I think that they probably could have not done that right but what I, what, what I was impressed by that though is the chamber that he enters on stage they did a very good job of modeling the chamber from yeah. the movie but then he never went into it like they they showed it right. and then they skipped to that scene part and I and then I started thinking maybe it was for a costume change like he had to change right so quickly so they're like we're going to show the movie oh instead. that's real smart yeah because he did have to well, he had to physically get somewhere else he had to yeah. get to the their mock-up of P- Pence's hair yeah and then uh, I think he must have changed yeah he got that black costume and then whatever yeah. so I thought that was interesting they brought back uh, the go- Herman Cain <laughs> apparently came back as a fly so, As well. Yep. Yep. And then kind of ends with uh, Jim Carrey vomiting on oh, Mike yeah. Pence's head. And that's like a part of the movie where like Jeff Goldblum as Brundlefly like vomits on his food and yeah. eats it. Like that's a very visceral part of that movie. <laughs> but like unnecessary. Like yeah. I don't think we needed that. <laughs> uh, they had a, they got a solid live from New York. They did. They got a very good live from New York. So I think... It was long, too. 12 minutes and 21 seconds. Yes. I, I checked out the YouTube <laughs> link and saw how long it was. And it felt that long because yeah. I think that the the just Kamala Harris, Beck Bennett stuff, or Mike Pence stuff was good. The Brumblefly thing was, or the the fly thing was, I expected, uh-huh. well executed, but kind of taken as two things over a long period of time it felt it felt long yeah yeah i think uh it was two separate sketches and they put it into one yeah i think you get rid of the herman cain stuff it's more like 10 minutes it didn't feel as long Uh uh-huh i don't know i i feel like if my dad died due to COVID 19 because he went to a political rally i would be bummed that people were making fun of that two weeks two months later yeah yeah i thought it was a little bit too soon but um, and it didn't get the, I don't think it got a big enough laugh to justify doing it. Yeah. I don't if think the payoff was enough. Yeah. Yeah. I think what you had said earlier too, is if they would have just gotten Jeff Goldblum yeah. to do it, you could have skipped the whole teleporter thing and all that. It just, the fly is Jeff Goldblum. Right. And I think everyone would have enjoyed that. I, when they went to the wide with the second fly, I was very excited that it was Jeff Goldblum. Oh, yeah. Right? Because they they established Jim Carrey as turning into 
Biden turning into Jeff Goldblum. And then they go to the wide, like, oh, there's another fly. Is it, did they get him? Yeah. Is he in town? And then when it was Herman Kane, I was like, all right. It was uh, unnecessary. Yeah. A little too long, but I think uh, uh, Maya Rudolph and Beck Bennett killed it. Yeah, I think so. And Kate McKinnon. I look forward to... Kate had a very good night. Yeah. I look forward to another Maya central election sketch mm-hmm. as, as Kamala Harris. So we get to the monologue. Our host is Bill Burr. He is a stand-up and frequent television guest star. He's mm-hmm. done a lot. And he, uh, from the very beginning, I think he exuded confidence, both with being on stage. What I really liked is that he started out by saying, as a stand-up, this is a dream come true. And we've talked a little bit about me being something of a Saturday Night Live purist. Mm-hmm. And I, that is the correct reaction. This is a television institution, probably watched it for a lot of his life. He is here. Good job. Yeah. Yeah, he made it. That's like, yeah. there were two things that you always wanted to do. It was be on Saturday Night Live or get on The Tonight Show. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially the when Bill Burr would have been watching was the Carson era of The Tonight Show. He's very selective about the stand-ups that he had on. Yeah. So I think that I really did like that. It seems like all of our hosts for the foreseeable future will come out with a mask yeah. and then take it off. Yeah. This time, it looks like they had a better plan for it. <laughs> last week, Chris Rock just like held it the whole time. Uh, this time... Bilber like exchanged his mask for a mic. Yeah, you, you could even see that the the stagehand had gloves purple, on. Purple gloves. I want to know who that is. Yeah, so I thought that that was good. And then he just did like a stand up skit, uh, a stand up routine, mm-hmm. and talked a little bit about New York. It, he hit so what what I wrote down as I was watching it was uh, nice to have an edgy monologue, and that's what it was. It was super edgy, and uh, I I like that. I like that because we, we are living in a cancel culture era and it, it's good on some parts, it's bad on other parts, but to have a guy who comes out who is so good at his job, he can talk about these topics and, uh, and make a good point still. Yeah, I think that being provocative for uh, provocation's sake is mm-hmm. not terribly interesting to me, but... What I liked is that all the times where you might have felt uncomfortable, he did have a genuine point. And I uh-huh. think that I liked the way that he went from talking about cancel culture with an absurd example, like talking about like how much do we need to reanalyze the life of John Wayne, mm-hmm. and then pivoting that to how privileged white women have somehow co-opted a movement that was intended for less uh less privileged people uh-huh. uh, talking about uh, woke culture. And I also like where he got, I think his biggest reaction of the, of the monologue where he was talking about how, how is it that gay pride got 30 days of June and they were never enslaved. And you could just feel the energy being, not energy, but like the air being sucked out of the room where people were like, is he really going after gay people? Yeah. And then he made a really, then he, then he pivoted to saying, you know, so uh, gay folks have, LGBTQ plus people have June, which is a nice month mm-hmm. for a parade, and black people that were enslaved and brought to this country uh, outside of their will get 28 days in February. <laughs> and, you know, from his perspective as a New Englander, where the February sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so, in talking, so he kind of created this kind of controversy, if you want to call it that, but kind of got people on edge. And then made his point where, like, maybe instead we should have Black History Month be in July when it's nicer out. Yeah. Yeah. And then gay black people would get even more days. Yeah, he really struggled <laughs> with the math. But, yeah, he eventually yeah. got to the the 61 <laughs> days from June 1st to July 31st. I thought that was, so I, I liked his monologue a lot. It was so interesting to see him end with That's All My Time. Yeah. Which is such a specific <laughs> stand-up thing. You know that from doing stand-up. Like yeah. That's how you, if you don't have a great last line, yeah. you know, well, that's my time. Uh, oh, thank you, guys. <laughs> so that felt like, I'm not sure how conscious that was. Like, clearly he knew what he was going to say. But I think some of the, being a, a stand-up for as long as he has, yeah. this is like a reflexive kind of thing. That's how I end my my bit. Yeah. Especially because the end of his, of his monologue was losing a little bit of his footing. He was losing a little bit of his rhythm. So he kind of like stumbled to the end and went, well, that's my time. <laughs> well, that's uh, one of my favorite things about Bill Burr is he will say things and the audience will react and he'll do this thing where he's like, ah, anyway, or like, well, okay. 
plowing ahead. Yeah. Like he, he does all that kind of stuff. And uh, I love that. I love that. And he looked directly into the camera at some point. <laughs> yeah, I thought he did a great job. It, it was a pure stand-up monologue. And then after that, we get to the first sketch. The thing I want to, I, I think we'll talk about throughout the episode, is that Bill Burr was front and center in every sketch. Mm-hmm. That We talked about this in contrast with Chris Rock, that Chris Rock last week was straight man facilitator of funny people. This week, Bilber was the 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 central character in every sketch he was in, mm-hmm. which was really cool. Yeah, and a lot of them were very Bill Burr themed. You know, oh yeah, all of his characters were from New England or New York. Oh that yeah, he did not try to do <laughs> a character or whatever. Yeah, he was just the guy from Boston the yeah. whole time, which <laughs> which plays to his strengths. And you really felt like the 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 writers this week were excited to write for him. Yeah. So this first sketch is uh, uh, this. I don't know what your last seven months of socializing has been like, but this thing felt very real mm-hmm. where it's uh, three couples. So Kyle and uh, Chloe Feynman, Ego Wodeman Keaton and Bill Burr and Kate are all outside at a kind of friend gathering in somebody's backyard on their patio, kind of talk, remarking about how, you know, it's the first time that Bill and Kate's characters have been um, with other people. And they're like, Oh, well maybe we don't know how to socialize. And then this is another sketch where it escalated really well. Yeah. Yes, it did. Um, they start with saying the wrong word. Yeah. So it's they <laughs> they have them. They say unprecedented when they mean un- unprecedented. Right. I think you hear a lot. Yeah. Actually, what was funny? I think I don't know if we talked about this before, but there's so much uh, social media and so many comedy videos that actually on TikTok there was already like this thing that was trending about someone saying unprecedented. Oh, interesting. Okay. And this was like two weeks ago or maybe a week ago. And I was like, Oh, they're, they're late to it, you know? Yeah. But what are you going to do? They're, they're doing theirs live. (laughs) Yeah. So they have this kind of, they, they say the wrong word, they get called on it and Bill and Kate just have an outsized reaction. (laughs) And like a lot of sketches, Keenan ends up being the voice of reason. And uh-huh. he's like, baby, just don't. Just don't. And don't so, do but was really cool watching. So basically it just became the Bill and Kate show is that they, they said something wrong. They had an outsized reaction ending up with, they're throwing their wine glasses, uh, Kate kicking the hot wings they were <laughs> eating, but it just felt like a, we want, we have these people that are comfortable being broad. Yeah. Let's let them be broad. Yeah, and then they the other good thing that they did is they stuck to the game of the scene where they just kept saying the wrong words. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I thought that that was good. So we, we've talked about where there's one idea for a sketch and then they tell the joke and they don't know what to do with it. This one was great because mm-hmm. they were using the, the misspeaking, unprecedented, um, new, the new, new normal <laughs> and all intents and purposes and that kind of stuff. So they use that as a way of showing these people that kind of forgot how to socialize. Yeah. And it was really, I really liked it. The end, they didn't have an end. They didn't have an end. I thought that they were going to go where the other group says something wrong. Yeah. Like the other couples somehow, you know, say milk's wrong or something like that. But no, they just kind of... <laughs> yeah, I think they just... Uh, did a cheers and yeah. ended, which is fine, I guess. Like oh we, yeah, the Coven, Coven nineteen. Oh yeah, the Coven nineteen. The, yeah, in in this in the Saturday Night Live tradition of not having a great end of a sketch, but up until <laughs> that point, I was really enjoying the performances from everybody. Keenan and Ego were really good as like trying to keep things cool, mm-hmm. and then uh, Chloe and Kyle just trying to decide how they're going to respond, and then Bill and Kate just being. Uh, big, I really liked, and I thought it was a good start to the night. I was surprised though that we did not have a second sketch in what we would call Act One. So the first segment after uh, the commercial or after the monologue, they'll typically do two. They'll do one sketch and a mm. and a parody or a filmed bit or something. They yeah. sometimes will stack three there, but it was just that one sketch, and then we went on to the football a television sketch. And this yes. one was a really cool premise and I like the way they executed it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I feel like this was a Bill Burr 
type sketch. Yeah. I feel like he's maybe talked about this or something. But uh, it definitely is that premise of who are those two guys? Skip, uh, Skip Bayless. Bayless and uh, that's it. I don't know. I know who Skip Bayless is. Yeah, Skip Bayless, and he has another guy, and they argue, and they're they're big sports guys, and mm-hmm. yeah, to see <laughs> uh, these uh, sports hosts, and you've got a white sports host, and then you've got the black sports host, and they're both dealing with what's going on in the country in two very different ways. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think it's so cool about the sketch and the the trick of it is that it starts with there's this NFL show with uh, Bill Burr, Ego Woden, and Keenan. With those three, the setup is the Bucks played the Bears, which was an actual game that happened, mm-hmm. and that they had made a bet on on air the week before that uh, Bill Burr wanted the Bears to win and Keenan thought the Bucks were going to win and then they'd have to buy each other a steak dinner. So, yeah. And Bill is big and gloating and whatever and talking about the game. And then you find out that the two African-American co-hosts, Ego and Keenan, didn't watch the game because they were so worried about the killing of a black person that happened over the weekend. And so you see Bill having to pretend that he was aware of that. And I think it, it, uh, yeah. it, I think there's a lot of sketches that, that are going to happen this season that are going to have more kind of social undertones. And this mm-hmm. one I thought was a really honest way of getting to it where somebody was not affected by the news at all, was right. not aware that it happened because it did not affect him. And then you had two other folks that couldn't be, allow themselves to be distracted. And then you have all this great, again, great escalation uh-huh. of, the steak dinner arrives uh, delivered by Pete. And then there's like a baby bot. Like, so Bill had all these plans to like dunk on Keenan's character that are just embarrassing and falling flat (laughs) given the way that they're approaching things. Yeah. And then also for him to then try to pivot as a character and then kind of be like, no, yeah, no, yeah, this is really bad. And I don't, I only watch the ticker that was on the yeah. bottom of the news. And and then it's revealed later that Bill doesn't even know the name of the person that was killed. Yeah. Uh, I think you're talking about Shannon Sharp. Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp? Yeah, that- yeah, 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 yeah. They have that show. And I think Bill Burr was trying to look like Skip Bayless a little bit. Yeah, it is weird to see Bill Burr with hair. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was really well. And then so Pete ends up coming in as a, as a server and... <laughs> Uh, Mikey comes in with a baby bottle for Keenan. Kind of, this one had a great ending mm-hmm. because it ended with because one of the parts that Bill was talking about, Bill's character was talking about that that Keenan's character was going to Welsh on the bet for right. buying dinner, and then when the bill comes in from Mikey's character, he does Keenan doesn't want to pay, and then uh, Bill was like, "Ah, I knew you were going to Welsh," and that kind of is the button for the sketch. But that was perfect. Right? Yeah. Yeah. This one had a good escalation, a good point, even though yep. it's, again, difficult to talk about, but that's like the, the great thing about Bill Burr is he knows how to, I think, help these sketches like get there. And then, yeah, you had a great button. It's an honest so, thing that's going to happen, right? The people are going to be affected by the news differently and really highlighting that in a comical way. That was really cool and, and well done. It did not feel heavy handed. Yeah. That Bill looked like a fool, which was appropriate. Yeah. And, uh, and then they kind of slowly call him out. Oh God, it was so good. I really liked it. They kind of get, it was a sketch that I think w- merits rewatching just because there's a lot to chew on there. Yeah. And a lot of specificity too, that you can tell all the things that Bill Burr's character had planned to, that are just happening out of his control. Yeah. Which is great. <laughs> so then we get to uh, kind of talking about kind of social justice kinds of things. We get to this Beck TikTok thing. Yes. That, uh, I thought was brilliant. I really liked it. I I I uh, liked it a lot. I didn't like the ending though. That uh, didn't have a strong ending. I thought. Okay, so talk to me a, a little bit about this film sketch. So he's this actor in uh, New York who's uh, he's playing this actor in New York where he's trying to talk about enough is enough, Trump. We've had enough of what you're doing, but he's doing this uh, to get famous. Yeah, he, he doesn't really care. Uh, he sings a little bit. Yeah. And uh, what I liked about it, so in you, and it's framed as a TikTok. Yeah. It's got a vertical video. And then at, once he's done, you can see that he's singing to his phone in a ring light, like the whole thing. And 
What's great is that what I liked about it, and this feels like one of the kind of Beck Kyle creations, is that he kept on having the same reaction to everybody. Oh, take it down. Take oh. it down right now. <laughs> it's not helping. And what was interesting is that aside from whoever was filming that thing, Beck was the only person there. He, yeah, he was the only one. And I like that. Yeah, that everybody that he's speaking to, whether that's on the phone or in another room or at his front door, is all unseen. Yeah. So you get it kind of reminded me a little bit of what they were doing in the end of the last season where people were just having to make things at their house. Now it was clearly filmed by another person. So there uh-huh. was at least one other person there. But I really like the specificity. And then I am a total sucker for surprise cameos. I guess that's a, that's the only way you can have a cameo to be uh-huh. surprised. But uh where he Part of the framing of Beck's sketch or his video is that he tags some famous people. Oh, yeah, yeah. One of them being Jason, Jason Momoa. Momoa. Yeah. And that was perfect because that's when, uh, as I was watching the episode, my wife walked in. And she's like, is that Jason Momoa? I'm like, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so really nice uh, escalation where he yeah. tags Jason Momoa and then we get Jason Momoa scolding Beck Bennett's character. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. It just I don't know the button of it. I didn't I didn't like how so What was what was the ending? He just I think he just hangs up and then uh Beck goes, "Yes, I I did it. I've I made it or something." Right? Yeah, I think I actually wrote great ending in my notes. So maybe <laughs> so we're this, is, this is on the it. point of contention. Yeah, cuz cuz it kind of ends with the the Momoa phone call and that's Oh yeah, because he's so excited that Jason Momoa knows who he is and that ends it. Yeah. I I really liked it. I thought it was a clever yeah. ending. Uh, I thought it was because you do see I have against my will become very into TikTok and <laughs> I, you, you definitely see that it's a lot of political stuff from a lot of people that aren't doing much of anything but talking about it. And I thought this was a good kind of example of that. Yeah. And uh, I like the specific Beck thing where he's like, oh, I, I guess I shouldn't have forgotten to wear my shirt. It's like, oh, you're not buying that? No. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, is I don't know if this was a reference to that other like celebrity a uh, video that went around this week where everyone was shirtless. Oh yeah, and they're all doing the the voting thing. So maybe that's maybe that's why I didn't. I thought they were making a parody of that a little bit, and then it didn't like escalate to that in my, like the way I thought it was going. So maybe that's why I don't. I didn't like it as much. But yeah, I yeah, you're talking about there was that naked ballot video yeah. with a bunch of celebrities that were naked talking about. Pennsylvania voters need to make sure their ballots aren't naked, meaning yeah. they need to be in the proper envelope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I thought I thought it was strong. I like Beck stuff a lot. And then we get to Yeah, I like Beck. Our musical guest. And so we uh, were texting back and forth a lot this week because the original musical guest for this week, who was the country singer that I guess we were uh, a little wrong. We thought it was going to be we thought he was from another band. Apparently, oh, yeah. I think he was like a ra- reality competition winner type cat. Oh, okay. Yeah, we both don't really know country music that well. <laughs> no, so it was supposed to be Morgan Wallen. After we recorded, we found out that Morgan Wallen had been uninvited from hosting this week because he was found on TikTok at a big party, not wearing a mask, which violated SNL's, NBC's, COVID-19 kind of protections. Mm -hmm. So he was uninvited and we found that out, I think like a Monday or Tuesday. So you and I uh, just had some wild speculation theater (laughs) on our phones. If we did. So we were talking about like, all right, so it's gotta be somebody that's available, somebody that will do it on a day's notice, somebody that is potentially already in New York. So we were kicking around. um, What did I say? I thought it was, you thought it was going to be potentially Justin Timberlake. Yeah, yeah, that's who I wanted. Or Lonely Island. Or Lonely Island. I had a thought that it might be Miley Cyrus because she's a friend of the show. We yeah. talked about that it might be just the cast members doing some music, what have you. We were completely wrong. Yep. Because it ended up being Jack White. Yes. Who was great. And what I wrote in my kind of stray thoughts is that between the monologue that was catching people by surprise. And then this performance, it really felt like a live show. And I know that's a silly thing to say when, yeah. we're, wa- when we're watching a live television show. Like, of course it feels live. But it just felt like there was an element of kind of less polish. Mm-hmm. And so Jack White, it was just a him with two other instrumentalists. He had a drummer and a bass player. The first number he did was a three-song medley of Don't Hurt Yourself, which is the song that he did with Beyonce on Lemonade, 
which I did not realize uh, until, because uh, I was like, I know that melody, I know that melody. So I started, melody, I so I started like writing the lyrics that he was yeah. singing, and then the it came up as being Beyonce. I'm like, oh, that's why I recognize oh, it. Oh, I didn't even, yeah, that, rec- that, I didn't re- realize that. Yeah, the first element of the song, he only sings a few lines from it, but it starts with a Beyonce song. Okay. That he did, that he worked with her on, and then two other songs, Bail and Biscuit, and then Jesus is Coming Soon, mm-hmm. and it was just like beautiful and loud and noisy and he is an extraordinary guitar player and oh, it just yeah. felt like a live music performance at which sometimes we don't get on SNL like last last week like last week <laughs> where so but even when you do have a full band you it things can feel so polished that it doesn't feel like we're not sure what might happen and him Showing up on, and Lauren was quoted saying, like, there's only so many people that you can ask on Thursday to show up on Friday. Mm-hmm. And Jack White is in that number. So I was very impressed. He was great. Yeah. It's just great having a somebody that didn't really have anything to push. He wasn't there to sell an album or anything. He's just there to jam. Just there to jam. It was really good. Yeah. Uh, I was, like, there's, what I wrote in my notes was that it was perfect. Yeah. It, and this was something we talked about a couple of episodes ago about somebody becoming higher in my kind of perception or consciousness because uh-huh. I got to see them in this format. And like Jack White's been around for a while, right? Like the white stripes have yeah. were together, I think early college for me. So like early two thousands and just, I know that he's a good musician. I know he's a big collaborator. He's had a bunch of different bands. He just does a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was great to just see him featured in this way. And he's done SNL before, but this felt like, especially knowing the circumstances where he was just like asked by Lauren producers, whomever, to say, hey, yeah. will you show up tomorrow on Friday for the show on Saturday? And you're like, yeah. Yeah, I got two friends. We'll do it. Yeah. And I'd, I'd love to know the story of, are those his nor- normal touring musicians? Are those studio people? Are those, does, does he have a larger band that was unavailable? Yeah. I'd love to know the the negotiations and the story of how that that number came to be. I heard, I remember hearing the the kind of choreography that had to happen for when Matt Damon came to do the uh, Justice Kavanaugh confirmation oh, and yeah. how fast that came together, getting Matt Damon across the country to do the Kavanaugh oh. thing and the, the timeliness of it, of having the hearing on whatever day it was and then producing that for Saturday. The timelines can be very narrow. So yeah. knowing somebody like him had to come up with two tunes and make sure that he had people to play it and whatever. Yeah. Was very cool. And we're COVID safe and be COVID safe. Right. So yeah. to, to make sure that he was okay beforehand, because mm-hmm. that was part of it too. And then being able to perform and just being so professional, just so good. Yeah. I, I was, I was, it was so, I just had a smile on my face. It was just so great. Yeah. Yeah. Again, just somebody in their element at the top of their game, just doing what they do best. That's what I love about SNL. Yeah. So we had update. Next. Yes. What do you think of this update? This was the best update, I think, in a year. Okay. This is Talk to me about that. my favorite update. There was this dark, darker comedy tone yes. throughout the whole night. And I don't know if that had to do with Bill Burr. I don't know if it's just everyone's now had enough. But uh, I think Michael Che... And uh, Colin were just both on the top of their game. With every joke, I was like, this is getting better and better. Yeah, I, I was laughing a lot. Uh, Michael Chase specifically said, this is a dark show mm-hmm. with a lot of the jokes. Um, the, one of the first lines that they had when they were talking about Trump, because it feels like we need to start with Trump for each of these updates, that they described him as president and active bioweapon, <laughs> Donald Trump. And uh, Che had a later line where, I think it was Che, that basically said that with all these people getting sick, you, it's like, and then Trump seeming to be doing okay for now. Yeah. Saying like, it feels like uh, having a car crash and the only survivor is the drunk driver. Yeah. Yep. Which yeah. Which was beautiful. Super dark, but also super true. And I think uh, Colin had a joke too, where he was like, he didn't even learn from this experience. It's like seeing someone smoke from the hole in their neck. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like... It just kept getting darker and darker. Yeah. And then their non-political jokes, too, were hilarious. Yeah. Where I think Che had a joke about McDonald's. He goes, it only, their new breakfast menu only costs you one left foot. Yeah, yeah. It was the, the new breakfast menu for the low, low price of one of your feet. Yeah. Making really kind of oblique diabetes reference. 
Um, so we had two correspondents this week. Yeah. Uh, I love Kate McKinnon a lot. And she wasn't that prominently featured last week. Um, but this week, her correspondent piece was so strange and amazing. I loved it. Yeah. Oh, I was dying. <laughs> it was so good. So she was Dr. Wayne, we notice. Yep. And uh, we notice. For a while, it was uh, call him and ask a question. She would answer, we notice. Uh, and then kind of describe the character and the wearing glasses and a lab coat and a mustache and a, and a wooden pipe. And then basically uh, she starts, she has a, a stethoscope that she starts just messing with Colin. Yeah. And he asks if she's okay. And she says, no. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, obviously I am not or something like yeah. that. It was such a genuine moment. And I think like there's parts cause we've done theater together where when you break on stage and sometimes it's funny to see the actor come out, not yeah. the character, and just be like, I'm, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, that, that Colin asks Kate, yeah. are you okay? And she <laughs> says, effectively, no. No. And then what I thought was really great, and I've been feeling this because I've been watching The Amber Ruffin Show, um, late night writer who now has her own show on Peacock once mm. a week. And that is a show that is from the perspective of uh, a black woman who's experienced a lot of trauma for being a black woman, but is a person that is full of joy. Uh -huh. And that show tackles challenging stuff, but through this effervescent personality of Amber Ruffin and who is a very, very smart writer. Hmm. And what I liked about Kate's correspondent piece is that she said like is, is a dark time. I don't, I feel like I don't know the answers to a lot of questions. So it makes me feel good to uh -huh. create a character that knows this. Yeah. We notice. Yeah. We and notice. I just thought it was such a cool way of seeing Kate, who is somebody that has been on the show for a long time is arguably the real star kind of top billing member of this cast. Yeah. And her just saying like, this hurts. I am hurting. This is what I need. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And then Colin said something that was very nice as well, where he said, like, we're going to get through this. We always do. Yeah. Kate McKinnon, everybody, you know, yeah, yeah. Like we, was, and he said, like, we noticed. Yeah. Which was very, we we're going to get, we're going to get through this. Yeah. So I thought it was very sweet. And then kind of going to another one of their recurring correspondence where Pete just doing Pete. <laughs> yeah. And he was talking about J.K. Rowling's pretty consistent transphobia that's become a story over the last 12 months Yeah, and talking about that. And uh, what I like the way that he framed it around don't get tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. But he talked about, you know, he's got this Harry Potter tattoo and now he regrets that. And he talked about, you he's know, Winnie the Pooh. I, I was like, what kind of tattoos does this guy have? I think he just has all of them. <laughs> I think he, I think he at some point went to the tattoo parlor and said, one of everything, please. And that's <laughs> like, how he, he had like a children's book and he's just like all of these. Yeah. Well, he is still very young. He's, I think he's younger than you. He's one year younger than me. Yeah. Yeah. So he is a very young man that has made a lot of decisions very early. And, but as he also talked about that it was uh, mental, health awareness week mm -hmm. and he is somebody that's publicly struggled with mental health. What's also nice is that he seems a lot better. He does. So last year there was a little bit like, is he okay? Is uh -huh. he going to survive? He was really, he just looked ill. He looked like he was doing more drugs. Yeah. And now he seems to be on a higher point, which is good. Uh, and he, I liked one of his asides because he is playing Pete. He's yeah. not playing the character in this correspondent bit talking about that. I'm a, the, the difference between me and Dobby, the house elf is I'm a real person and his movies get released in theaters, <laughs> which is very funny because he had two kind of star vehicles over the course of the year. One movie that was released on Hulu. Yeah. And then the King of Staten Island, which he did with Judd Apatow, which Bill Burr was also in. Yeah. That was meant for a major release that didn't get one due to uh, COVID-19. So I thought that was a nice kind of personal aside. I really like Pete. I think that he is, when appropriately deployed, is great. And just doing this kind of stand-up style stuff that's personal is awesome. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, he, he's good at, he does a lot of self-deprecating humor. And uh, 
the other one that he did where he was talking about the how all the goblins in in Harry Potter are Jewish. Yeah. And then he goes, and I can say that because I'm half goblin. Yeah. And I was like, that was a good line. Yeah. Well, it's so funny. Like, I, it's funny. And his kind of button at the end was that he had never actually read any of the books and only seen part of Prisoner yeah. of Azkaban <laughs> on the plane. But as somebody that's seen the movies, yeah, that the first time, and not knowing, not knowing the books, watching the movies, when you go the first time to the place where all the goblin bankers are, uh-huh. It does feel on the nose. <laughs> it feels a little, feels a little gross. Yeah. So I thought that was a really like I thought he was great. I thought it was a really strong update. Yeah, I I think it's the best one in the last year, yeah. last season. This was beat all of them. Yeah, I really think so. That they really had a message. It didn't feel like they were beating anybody over the head with it. Two really personal correspondent pieces that were also very funny. Yeah. Oh, so good. So then we get to the the mafia sketch that again, Bill is the central figure of. Mm-hmm. So it's a bunch of mob guys in a restaurant. So Alex, Beck, Pete, Kyle, Mikey, and Bill. So it's a bunch of guys doing New York accents, a bunch of mobster kind of caricatures. And Bill Burr is the kind of central figure of this who is recently released from prison and says a bunch of uh, off-color things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bill Burr, he reminded me of that of Joey Pants from the from the Sopranos. Yeah, and he's I. It's funny. He's such a archetype kind of guy. The Joe Pantoliano. He's yeah. been like a bunch of things, also in the Matrix. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so what I liked about it was basically he says a bunch of off-color things. He's get a bunch of O's. Yeah. Which also. If they were taking their inspiration from The Sopranos, that feels authentic too. Yeah. Because Kyle Mooney's character felt like a kind of an amalgam of a couple of the characters on Sopranos that were like surprisingly woke. He kind of felt like a Polly Walnuts or almost in his hair in a similar way. One of the characters, I think uh, it was Alex's character, gets offended uh, because he identifies as um, as queer. Yeah. uh, And then asks for a personal day. And then (laughs) Bill Burr's character also gets being called out for using, uh, him. misgendering him, yeah, and using yeah. a, a him as opposed to a they. And then um, Punky shows up, a new cast member Punky shows up mm-hmm. as Gladys, who Bill Burr instinctively discriminates against for being a black woman. And then she shows that she can perform the job as well as any person and shoots Kyle. <laughs> so I, I thought, again, it was a, a simple premise. Yeah. Guy is not uh, appropriately woke. Gets called out by it and kind of ends in a fun way. Yeah. What's so funny is these guys, they care so much about these feelings and everybody's and being woke. And then they just murder people still. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, yeah, that's the job. Yeah. Yeah. He was talking about being kind of sensitive, but he's like, also, you're a murderer. Yeah. That was was nice. Uh, Yeah. The the Bill Burr line that kind of gets the biggest reaction is I remember when this kind of, are we mobsters or we're a bunch of queers? And that gets like a big reaction. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So Very. I thought that clever short too, which I liked, you know, what is funny is, so I used to produce this uh, sketch show we called GNL here in Tucson, Arizona, sure. gaslight night live. And, uh, right before we closed, I actually pitched a sketch that was just like this. I called it the Brooklyn boys. Okay. Cause I, my brother lives in Brooklyn and I was like, wouldn't it be funny if it was like a bunch of tough Brooklyn boys, but now that Brooklyn is so woke, they instead get like beat up. Oh, and so funny. it was very, it's always very cool to like be on the same page or be on the same track as like yeah. people that you admire. So I was like watching this and I was like, that's what I, I had the same idea. So SNL ripped you off? No, they did not. Oh, okay. I, I just was on the same page and they should hire me. That's yeah, what, that, okay. Good. That's what I'm trying to go for. Yeah. I want to see where your angle is. You, yeah. You deserve to be on the writing staff <laughs> of, of SNL. You have the same yeah, ideas. Cause we had one, we had one same idea. Perfect. Months apart. Yeah. So my, my prediction for Bill Burr's episode came true and that yes, there was a Boston sketch. So they did it at their, this is the second week in which we have not had a proper last sketch of the night where yeah. it was after the musical guest. You know what else also happened again? Yeah. Was we had uh, both of the correspondents were both on like one side. It's true. Yeah. They were both talking yeah. to, to Colin this week as opposed to Michael the week before. So this takes the the mind space of the last sketch of the night, where it's a little 
bizarre. This, and I don't know, we haven't talked about this off the air, but so SNL, a couple years ago, made an agreement with their advertisers where they would have more product placement in exchange for less commercial breaks. So you'll see this where actual, oh. actual brands are used in sketches. Some of them, they are promoting them in an authentic way, and some of them are like this, where under normal circumstances, it might be that they somehow fictionalized Sam Adams beer. But in this sketch, they're using the actual logo. They're saying Sam Adams a million times. I yeah. This, I believe, and if you watch episodes over the last couple of years, you'll catch at least one sketch that has a real product in it under most circumstances. Yeah. They'll find a way of using real product where normally they wouldn't. So they get some free advertising. And I think the 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 advertisers that are agreeing to this, the products that are agreeing with this, kind of understand that they are losing a little bit of... Um, ownership when this happens. Yeah. The best example of this is the Safe Light commercial parody from a couple of years ago where it was a it was actual Safe Life autoglass and they were making the kind of the joke of the sketch was that Mikey Day was a a kind of predator, like a sexual predator that was trapping people with his van, <laughs> but it was an actual Safe Light commercial with their brand name and they turned out to be unhappy about it. Oh, I wonder why. As you may imagine. <laughs> so this one takes the, the the premise of Sam Adams is doing their fall collection beer, which includes a pumpkin spice beer. They're showing it to a bunch of actual Bostonians. Mm -hmm. And all the actual Bostonians, and it says that on the kind of burned on the screen, it says actual, uh, actual Bostonian, are clearly not. There's right. a bunch of cast members really not doing Boston accents or whatever. And then it shows kind of like the townie, Bill Burr character doing his <laughs> thickest, most authentic Boston accent, uh, who doesn't really like the beer, but is getting loaded at the grocery store, drinking it, keeps on going, going back for samples. Yeah. Uh, so that he's kind of getting drunker as it goes on. And then they bring in his son, played by Mikey Day, who is playing the same Bostonian character as the... Dunkin' Donuts sketch from four years ago with Casey Affleck, if you remember that. Yes, yes, I do remember that. Where it was, Dunkin' Donuts is so great, and then here's like construction worker cat, um, Casey Affleck, and his buddy towards the end of the sketch is Mikey Day, who's wearing like a reflecting vest and a pa uh, Patriots beanie. Yeah. <laughs> and in that sketch, he was wearing a Dropkick Murphys t-shirt. In this sketch, he's wearing a Flogging Molly t-shirt. <laughs> so staying with our, our Boston Celtic punk bands. Yeah. And uh, I... <laughs> I really liked it. I thought it was great. I, I, it was, it felt, it filled my Boston need for yeah. Melbourne. And I also really like Sam Adams. And I thought this was like a nice, uh, kind of venue of him, like just being obnoxious Bostonian. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I like is the detail. Did you notice the blurred out penis on the cast that, Oh that no, Bill Burr? Yeah. He had a, he had a little blue, like it was obviously the outline of a penis, but they had blurred it out. So <laughs> I like that a lot. I, he also had the great line. We're basically saying that this isn't great beer. This is the kind of beer that Sony will come over and bring it to your house for a party. And then it'll sit in your fridge for eight months. And then you're like, well, I guess I'll drink this beer. Yeah. Which feels like a really like that just feels authentic. When yeah. You get to we, like here at the house, we have a beer fridge and there are just some things that end up in the back where you're like, well, I guess I'm drinking this Mike's Hard Limeade. Yeah. <laughs> that That is what's happening right now. Ah, uh, dang it. Or like, yeah, whenever guests come over, you're like, you want some of this? <laughs> yeah. Could you please, please? <laughs> drink this White Claw? So, yeah. And th that's kind of it. We get another performance from... We get another performance from Jack White. Mm -hmm. It's another killer tune. Lazaretto just kills it. This is where he, he does like a little bit of an Eddie Van Halen tribute. He does a little tap style guitar yeah. in the middle of just a scorcher of a solo. And then that's it. There's no final sketch. We go to the Gnites. Uh, Burr is wearing a Van Halen shirt. Once again, Maya and Jim Carrey stuck around to the very end, yeah. which is cool. Um, and then Maya Rudolph was holding a happy birthday Pearl sign. Do you know who Pearl is? No, I don't. Uh, it is her 15-year-old daughter. I looked it up. Oh, So okay. apparently it was Mike Rudolph's eldest daughter's birthday Aww. last night, and she held up a sign. Oh, that's really cute. And, and tried to be very visible about it, too. She kept yeah. to, like moving to different parts of the stage <laughs> to show her sign. I think talking about the good nights is a good place to talk about who did we not see in this episode. So uh, I clocked that there was no Bo and Yang. No. Another week of no Melissa Villasenor. Another, uh, there was no... 
uh, appearance of new guy Andrew. Yeah. That I remember. And now we didn't talk about this last week because they got it in in kind of a sly way. But Cecily was right. filmed in the debate sketch last week. But apparently Cecily is not participating in person in this season yet. So oh. she is staying home okay. for right now. And I don't know if that is because she has been exposed to COVID-19. I don't know if there's somebody in her life that has been exposed or somebody that's sensitive or sensitive because she was interviewed on Seth, uh, Seth Meyers a couple of weeks ago and they were talking about her being on SNL and what yeah. have you. And she it must've been last week because she mentioned she liked that they were able to work her in to the premiere, but yeah. she is not in New York or if she is in New York, she's not going to, uh, the studio right now. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. And it was because she, if you remember, she was not in the good nights. Yeah. Cause she is not physically going to the studio. Yeah. If she is even in the city. And I tried to do a little bit of like Instagram, Twitter research to see if she had explicitly stated where she is or why, but not that I could, not that I could see, but she is not there. So that's Man. why we're not seeing her. So she might hopefully appear in some film stuff. Yeah. Uh, later. And we also know 80 this week. Yeah. I noticed that too. And I was like, wait, did she, is she what happened? Yeah. Uh, actually, I had a, a little bit of a, a pit in my stomach when in update, when Kate, what, when they're asking her if she's okay, like I had this terror that she was going to say that she was leaving. Because oh. that would have been an, a, an, an appropriate way to who she is a, as a performer to say goodbye. Just yeah. Be a weirdo. And then that's it. Yeah. Thankfully, that did not happen. But I think that... And 80 also has her shrill show and some yeah. other things that she's doing. So it might be that she's going to be coming and going throughout the season. We've seen that with Pete as well, where he's come and gone a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, so there were fewer celebrities showing up. It was just Maya and Jim Carrey. But still, some cast members were just not featured this week. Yeah, they just weren't there. And maybe... Like, I don't know why. It felt like a very dude-centric episode, especially with yeah. Bill Burr. Like you had a sketch where there was no no women at all mm-hmm. in the mafia sketch, and then Beck's filmed bit was just Beck, right? And Jason Momoa. And the sport sports one it was just Echo. just one, yeah. So there wasn't really that many things written for women, yeah. This this week, so that gets us to our kind of reflections on the episode. So. A couple of things I wrote. So I wrote uh, about the Van Halen tribute in my notes. So they both had kind of a musical tribute in Jack White's performance. And then they also showed there was one episode back in the 80s in which Eddie Van Halen sat in with the band. So that is what that clip was. Oh, okay. That he sat in with G.E. Smith and, and the band oh. that one week. And so that's what they were showing. Yeah. And that's going to it. So what do we... So we'll do some awards for this week what is your best sketch of the night best sketch of the night i'm gonna go i'm gonna say it was uh the sam and uh, adams sketch okay that was my i laughed the hardest at that one i liked at the end i thought it had a good button the end when uh <laughs> and then they all say like it's the best but then he's like ah it's not that good but all right it's you yeah. know uh yeah so that was my favorite I think my favorite was the NFL episode, uh, NFL correspondent thing yeah. with Bill Keenan and Ego. I thought it uh, had an interesting point, well delivered. It was still very funny. Yeah, uh, had some nice absurd elements to it. I think Keenan uh, having to play the straight man in that scene was great. Yeah, uh, I I thought it was did not feel heavy handed. It was still very funny. Bill gave a great performance in it. I. So that was my favorite one. Yeah. So of our cast members, who is your favorite tonight? Uh, this one's, I think it's Kate McKinnon. Yeah. I think it's Kate. I think it's Kate. Yeah. I think, you know, she was, she was there a lot. Yeah. We said, we just way more featured. Yeah. We just got finished saying that there weren't that many female roles this week, (laughs) but Kate's in the cold open. Kate's in the first sketch of the night with the outdoor party. She is featured in the update correspondent piece. That was just, very funny and yeah. very beautiful and sad. And so I thought she was uh, great. I think she's, 
it's hard to say that she's not the best cast member. Like, there's going to be some weeks where she's just not featured as much. Yeah. But she's always going to be good. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I thought that she was great. Yeah. So, uh, so are we buying tickets for Jack White? Heck yeah, man. God, he was Heck so good. Heck, man. That, he looks so much like Edward Scissorhands, too. Yeah. I really like that. <laughs> he looked like a young Johnny Depp. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, young is a nice way of putting it, too. He doesn't seem yeah. like he's aged. He doesn't in... seem that old at all. No. He's I just... actually looked up how old he was because I was like, this guy. How old is he? I, he's 45. All right. Yeah. So it's a, what white makeup and hair dye will do for you. Yeah. Guess, that he's just his look has not changed. I might have to start doing that. I think you should. Uh, yeah, so this is our stock up, stock down thing for sure. Jack White 100%. just being the kind of musician that he is that he just showed up to do something something great and did a great job. Uh, I was very impressed by. And then Bill Burr, uh, I am buying tickets to. Yes. Heck yes. And uh, one, one of the things you mentioned earlier, and I just wanted to say that one of my favorite Bill Burr things that he does is his TV interviews. Oh, okay. That is, he is, he might be the funniest when he's being interviewed by Conan or by uh, Steve, uh, Stephen Colbert. I, so like now I just want to watch more of him doing that. Yeah. There's some of those folks that are just excellent late night guests and I'm not yeah. surprised that he, he is one. And what I'm very, well, we, in stark contrast to last week and Chris Rock is, a very successful stand-up comedian. He's a very funny person. He is great. They're also like roughly the same age. They're both in their 50s. Yeah. That he is a less natural actor and thus a less natural sketch performer. Mm -hmm. Bill Burr felt like... There's some people that feel like they could be cast members. I think Justin Timberlake feels like that. Yeah. Versatile. He's talented. He's game. He'll just do whatever. Bill doesn't fit into that necessarily, but he definitely feels like somebody that wanted to be on that episode of SNL. They wrote towards him. He was featured in the sketches that he was present in, and he was also in everything. Yeah. The only thing he wasn't in was the filmed bit with Beck. Yeah. He was in everything else and featured in everything else. Like You could make an argument that in the Mafia sketch, he's kind of setting up jokes. Yeah. But he's also playing a character. He is central. But I thought he was very strong all night. Yeah, he kind of he he reminded me, and it's surprising too that he hasn't been on, uh, he hasn't hosted yet. Yeah, this late in his career, but he reminded me of when Louis C.K. would come on. Yeah, the late great Louis C.K. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> might as well. Yeah. So next week, looking forward, we have Issa Rae and Justin Bieber. So what do you expect from Issa Rae? What's your experience with her? I don't. I don't really know. Her at all. Okay. So she's got a, she's got a HBO show called okay. Insecure that I think is in its fourth season. So she's very funny. She's also had a couple of kind of featured roles in movies. She was just in The Lovebirds, which was that um, action comedy with Camille Nanjiani oh, that came yeah. out over the summer. That that was meant to be a theatrical release. It got moved to a Netflix release. And we watched that and it was very good. Uh, you know what I might do? Yeah, do a little research. I might not do any research. Okay. I might look up facts about her, but I'm not going to watch her. And I'll see if I will honestly buy tickets or right. like I'll see if how much I like her after the show. That's perfect. Yeah. She I I believe that you will be impressed. But okay. I think it's a cool approach. Somebody that you yeah. don't know very well just say forget it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to look up anything. You're going to go in pure. That's good. I'm going to go in yeah. Eyes closed. And then uh, musical guest is Justin Bieber. He's been on a bunch. He was also on really recently. And I'm not confident he's released new music since then. No, I don't think so. Maybe. Oh, he had one song come out with Chance the Rapper. So that's what we get for our hosts. And then in terms of the world that happens between now and then, who knows? So that's it. That was an episode of SNL. I really like this one. I thought it was, it felt like they've got their feet underneath them a little bit writing wise. It felt darker, a little angrier. And I, I like my comedy that way. Yeah. I think it was like, this one felt like the regular season game. And I felt like the last one was preseason still. We'll see you next week for Issa Rae and Justin Bieber. Hey, make sure you follow us on Twitter. You can find us at SN Rewind on Twitter. You can email us at snrewindpod at gmail.com. You can follow Randall at Fresh Cut Randall. 
on both Instagram and Twitter. Instagram, if you want to see the workout pics. And then uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. B Paradise. Please, if you're listening to this, make sure that you rate and uh, subscribe. The ratings will help other people find the show. Randall and I are content with talking to each other and having just a few of you listen, but we'd sure like for you to spread the word. So please let other folks know about the show. Make sure you are rating us so that helps other people find us. We're available on basically all the podcast platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts and Google and Spotify. Please share us out. We're at Saturday Night Rewind. You can find us everywhere. And we'll see you next week. See you guys. (laughs) 